This is a story about hikers who got hopelessly lost on a mountain in Japan. As it grew dark and cold, they built a giant SOS sign out of trees as a signal to any would-be rescuers. But, come on, that's just where the strangeness starts, because if there wasn't some weird things going on, do you think we'd be talking about it here on the Weird World Podcast? I don't. Today, we talk about the Japanese SOS sign. Okay. Hi, welcome to the Weird World Podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Dean. If you hear a little growly dog, that's Lily. <laughs> barking around for no reason. Probably upset we're doing a podcast instead of paying attention to her, I imagine. What is she barking at? Who knows? No one knows. Okay, well. This is a story that I didn't hear to until not that long ago. And it's pretty amazing. I don't I know nothing. It is plot twist heavy. Let me oh. tell you that right now. So again, it sounds it's about a sign on the, a sign on the mountain that says SOS yeah. made out of logs. It's sounds interesting. Straightforward. Yeah, it does sound straightforward. It is very much not straightforward. It's crooked. Huh. Okay. You ready? Okay. All right. Meaning the SOS sign is crooked? Uh, no. Meaning the whole story is crooked. Oh. So there's a mountain called Asagidake. In Hokkaido, it's a rugged mountain. It's in the Ishikari Range. It rises about 2,291 meters, 7,516 feet. In central Hokkaido, that's the northernmost island of the major islands that make up Japan, as you know. Mm-hmm. It is the highest peak on the island. I think Dake, by the way, just means Mount so it's like Mount Asahi, like the beer company. Okay. That make I think they make everything else, too. So Asahi Dake is one of the prime tourist destinations in the... Daisetsuzan <laughs> National Park. <laughs> I listened to it. That's, that's close enough. Okay. It is a relatively straightforward climb on warm and rainless days during the spring or the summer. You can climb up the mountain. There's like a rope. There's like ropes at the beginning, but then there's some trails. And it's not, you know, it's not considered a super dangerous place to be. A lot of hikers do it in the spring and summer when it's warm. The mountain's native name in Ainu, the native people of Japan, is Kamui Muntara, which translates as the playground of the gods. Mm. It's pretty cool. But even though it's considered relatively safe, it can be a little dangerous for mere humans at times. For one thing, it is an active volcano. Oh. Still is. There hasn't been an incident, you know, a volcanic event in centuries, but there are these steaming fumaroles that regularly spray out hot vapor and out gas all the oh. time in various places of the mountain. Wow. They're actually one of the main reasons people go to see it. They're kind yeah. of an attraction for it. Go see the fumaroles. Hmm. So two office workers from Atsuka Pharmaceutical in Tokyo came to visit the mountain in July of 1989. Okay. I that was is, wondering when you were going to... That's when our story starts. Set our time. That okay. is the start. You start your timeline? I don't, yeah. see, I don't see a piece of paper. I don't oh, see it's a, all up here. Oh, okay. Okay, good job. July 1989. Mm-hmm. I'm going to quiz you. because Not a good not a good time Why not? What happened in July 1989? <gasps> the 20th anniversary of the first moon landing. Is that what you're thinking of? I'm just kidding. No, my father died. I know. <laughs> that's, that's what, according to you, made you an orphan, even though your mother is still yes. alive to this day. <laughs> And I was 23. Yeah. You're, <laughs> but other than that. Pretty close. Carrie thinks she's Annie. I'm the world's so, oldest orphan. With a, a surviving parent. They stayed at the little inn at the foot of the famous mountain. It's got kind of like a hot spring inn kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And the next day, it was July 23rd, they told the innkeeper, hey, we're going to climb up Asahi Dake. 
We're going to see those steam vapors. Just, I mean, almost everybody there, I imagine, was, I guess there's other things to do in, in the National Park, but they, for, for some reason, they told the innkeeper that's what we're, we're going to do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe just having a, they're having a, ironically, Nasahi the night before. They told him it's a beer. I, oh, I okay. know that. <laughs> the innkeeper said, all right, have fun. And again, this is like a day hike. It's not considered dangerous. The trail is more or less marked, and there are landmarks along the way to help you out. The most famous of these features that are used as kind of a guide is a huge square stone at the side of a trail up toward the top of the mountain. It's called Safe Rock because when you're you're up there and you're coming down from the top, you haven't gone down very far. If you go the right direction and see Safe Rock, you know, okay, there it is. I can turn right. If I, when I come to Safe Rock, I make a right and there's a, a decent trail that'll scale, allow you to scale all the way down the mountain. It's pretty well marked eventually. And ultimately you'll reach like a rope station and you fall out the rest of the way the same way you started at, the, mm-hmm. at that point. So it's, a, it's considered a really helpful landmark. But but Asahi Dake and the surrounding peaks can be a little fickle. Rains are known to sweep up from formerly cloudless skies and swoop down and, and pour down. The, and when this happens, the air gets cold very fast and yeah. even dangerously cold. In the past, some people hiking during the summer had actually died wow. on Asahi Dake when these cold, wet rains hit. I know there are some dry rains. This happened yeah. to be a wet rain. I was up on a mountain in the summer, and it snowed. Wow! What you want to know was where? It? Was this the Matterhorn? Was Palm it Springs, Himalaya? California? What? Yeah, snowed. Wow! That's we f- literally ha- were wearing jeans and t-shirts. Damn! Uh, you're lucky to be alive. I know. If that was a Sahidaki, you might not be alive. That's when I was a child. Yeah, yeah. We have a lot of stories about your really <laughs> my weird great childhood. parent. Yeah. <laughs> So this this rain is, it can be dangerous, and the cold can be very dangerous up there. And that's exactly what happened on the twenty third of July. Rains poured down suddenly in the middle of the day and drove everyone off the mountain. So in little groups of onesies, twosies, people started coming down. These would be climbers said, "Forget it, we're, we're going to head back down like you should." And they started, you know, coming into the hot springs in to warm up and dry off. So hotel staff is really busy. They're trying to make their guests comfortable, but. The head innkeeper, he managed to keep an eye out for those two young men from Tokyo. I mean, these were city men. They were, he, he just, I got to, you know, yeah. I, I need to keep an eye out for them. He was worried about them. He was right too. By 6 p.m., it seemed like everyone was off the mountain. The groups had stopped coming in. Everybody was down. It was still raining. Everyone that is, except those two mm-hmm. young men from Atsuka Pharmaceutical. So the innkeeper looks for them, makes sure that they're not there. And finally, uh, around six or so, he, he figures, I can't wait any longer. It's going to be dark soon. The night's going to be really cold with this rain coming in. So he calls the police. Mm-hmm. But by the time the rescuers kind of gear up and get ready and they fire up the helicopter, they had a search helicopter. And this, I can't remember. It's like a, it's a, it's a police prefecture that runs it, but I think there's like a mountain rescue team. Yeah. So they call it this mountain rescue team. It had, had the one helicopter, but by the time it got to in place and can start the search, fog had rolled in oh, over no. the mountain and had thickened up rapidly. Yeah. So visibility was terrible and it's just going to get worse because night's on the way too. There really was nothing that they could do. The search would have to begin at dawn the next morning 
But this meant those two men would have to keep warm somehow over the entire night. So at first light, July 24th, the helicopter soared into the air and began crisscrossing all over Asahidake. I I imagine they focused on the climbing trails the hiking trails and things like that, right? To right, yeah. where people would naturally be. But they, from what I read, they would just circled, buzzed up and down. They circled again and again several times. They're going up and down the slopes. Nothing. No sign of those two men. You think they'd be out there, right? If you hear a helicopter, you're going to run right, out there yeah. and, and, and wave your arms frantically. But if they did, they're unable to. The worst could be true. Or they didn't hear it. It didn't get close. It's a, it's a big mountain. So yeah, it's a big mountain, small helicopter. They did have ground searchers out out there too, as well. But they're searching around the known trails, and we'll find out in a minute why that didn't work. The sides of the mountain are mostly barren along the top. You see pictures. It does look the, the top and a lot of the slope looks a little bit barren. But there are forests of spruce and fir and birch trees, and there's some marshy areas with creeks and there's lots of areas of kind of like you know scrub scrub brush kind of of thick vegetation one of those scrub vegetations is something called sasa s-a-s-a you ever heard of it no it's a type of bamboo but it's not don't think anything like the long thin bamboo it's not like that at all it's actually a thick scrubby plant looking thing but what it does it grows sort of horizontal with a slope. So it goes down a slope and, and the the roots are up slope from where it grows. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it sort of points down the slope and it's very thick and very huh. sturdy. So the helicopter's still up there looking for the men. You know, again, thinking if, if when they're near trees, they come rushing out and wave their hands if they hear the helicopter. But a police officer who's on the helicopter, he has a good idea. He's a local guy and he knows the area pretty well. He knows that every hiker is told about the safe walk, or at least you know about the safe rock, right? If you uh-huh. you know if you're out there hiking, you read the pamphlet, so you know about safe rock as well. Now, they buzz that trail already multiple times where you'd go from turning that right at safe rock. Yeah, he knew something about safe rock that many did not, and was not in the pamphlets, at least not yet. Several years before this took place, there had been a flash flood. And it sent boulders tumbling down the mountain. Mm-hmm. Ironically, one of those boulders was a second, very large, square rock. And it had settled just a sh- fairly short distance away from safe oh, rock. It looks exactly like, like safe rock. Worse still, it was situated in such a way that if you veered a little bit off course, you would see what came to be called fake safe rock first before you saw the real safe rock oh well they need to change their pamphlet they really do um if you did not know this bit of local news though and you did again you veered off you you come to safe rock and then what happens you make that right now instead of going down a a trail that leads to civilization safety you actually make that right (gasps) turn and you are going to go into completely unmarked pretty rough wilderness it's you're going to almost certainly become hopelessly lost very quickly. Well, that's... Hence the name Fake Safe Rock. It's a danger, isn't it? I think now yes. they've, they've got ropes or something like that. They need to put a sign up. Yeah. Huh? This is not the right one. Keep going. So 
they this cop thinks, okay, I think that's probably what these two Tokyo office men did. Right. Let's go do that. So police got word to the helicopter pilots. Again, I don't know. In one version, I, I read this this cop was on the helicopter. Or one version, he's down. You know, he's just one of the cop, one of the searches. He realizes this. Yeah. He says, oh, tell them to, to do this. So they got word to the helicopter pilots, and they found the fake safe rock, kind of swooped down, and then they sort of followed the route that they likely would have gone had they use this and gone the direction that the right. correct safe rock Although tells you, you to go. wouldn't you notice this isn't a trail and... Uh, would you though? I don't know. Hey, you make it right here. I don't think it's like initially we make that right at actual safe rock. I don't think it's like a marked trail yet. Yeah. But you go down, you go down slope and it's a fairly easy down slope and then eventually you you get marked trails and you hit that rope station. Yeah. So you just start to go down and you're going down rough and you think, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. It's just to go down slope here, right? Yeah. Okay. I don't think you'd know. I think you'd be surprised you wouldn't know. Uh, or at least it, it, they were surmising that, that this is what happened to those two guys. So they follow that route, that likely route they would have taken. And then finally, now it's hours now into the search, right? There was a break. The searchers and the helicopter saw a sign, literally. Below them in a little clearing amongst kind of rocky scrub and kind of a marshy area, there was a huge SOS sign. It appeared to be made with trees used to form kind of squarish versions. Right. You know, think SOS. Think they're all straight lines. Five for the S and four for the O and five for the S again. Mm-hmm. These three letters, that were, of course, the universal cry for help. So the searchers go, okay, they're somewhere near. They radio. They're, they're still buzzing around, but they don't see the guys. Maybe they're too weak. Who knows? The searchers in the helicopter radioed the coordinates of the SOS sign to the ground searchers and say, head on up there. We don't see them, but they must be nearby. So the ground searchers race up the mountain toward the SOS meadow, let's call it. They find the sign pretty quickly. It was made from birch logs, and they had been cleared of the leaves to show the white bark better against kind of like a brownish background. The logs had been cut down with an axe or a hatchet. There were two to three logs stacked atop each other, to build each letters, apparently better to stand out, yeah. right? But that also double or triple your work because you have to, you know, you, you could do just the number of logs it takes to make the letters. They did, they stacked them two or three high, or he yeah. or, or whoever built this this sign. Uh, by the way, every source says, oh, they're stacked three high, but the, the math doesn't work There's because there were a total of 19 logs. And I figured it out that would have had to be what, there are five? A lot more than that. They're, they're, well, yeah. Go ahead. I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, how do they make them stay on top of each other? Uh, I don't think. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they, they I don't Logs uh, are are, yeah, circular. I circular. They are. That I don't know. You think they Good just... balance. Just feng shui, <laughs> even though it's Japan, not China. Never mind. I don't know. Each log was not quite a meter long, like maybe maybe two and a half feet, so not quite a meter Right, so that would make you know the top of the S, yeah. and then the next part of the S, and the middle part of the S, and so on, and and same with the O. The O is basically a, really a, a kind of a square or, or kind of, and um, each log was also about ten to fifteen centimeters in diameter, which is about four or five inches. Yeah, so, so birch trees are no, no birch trees are not, not thick. Yeah, they're pretty skinny trees, but they are hardwood, so it would not have been easy work. Yeah, to cut these things down, the whole sign was about five meters from top to bottom. So the bottom of the S and the, to the top of the S and so on. Uh-huh. And it was, a, that was about 16 feet. And it was 18 meters long right. from left to right, which is about okay. 60 feet. So it's a big sign. Yeah. And indeed it was seen by the helicopter. Yeah. 
But again, the Where ground searchers get there and they don't uh-huh. find the guys either. They're searching all over around the area where the SOS site is and they cannot yeah. find those two city men from Tokyo. They figure, okay, it was night, they got cold, they must have gone somewhere yeah. to get warm, warmer shelter than this open meadow somewhere. So let's spread out and search wider and further afield. So they do. I'm assuming they have bullhorns and stuff in there. They must. I'm sure yell. they do. I'm sure yeah. they do. They're probably worried they're either dead or very weak. Like, yeah. Yeah. Finally, it's 3.40 p.m. Oh, my gosh. One of the rescues checked into like a small, like a cave has been described as. Yeah. It's about one to two kilometers are so from the sign. Again, you're going to hear a lot, like we always do in these kinds of things, where sources vary, which is super irritating. Yeah. You see, one kilometer up here, I think some said three. Most people seem to say it's one or two kilometers away, which is a fair distance away. They were in this cave, but they, they were apparently seeking the warmth of a cave, which is pretty smart. Yeah. Also the protection of a cave, too. There they they look in this cave, and there they are. These two cold, hungry guys huddled together are there... Uh, you know, <laughs> very glad to see their rescuers there. So the searchers help them out, and they, I, they, the helicopter lands. So they must have helped them to a clearing. I, th- I think they're still in pretty good shape. Their body temperature is very cold, but they're uninjured, mm-hmm. and and they're okay. And so they get up onto the helicopter, and the helicopter takes off. And, um, you know, the the two guys are thanking everybody, and oh, it's so nice. Apparently. Someone told them what the police officer had said, and they said, yeah, no, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. We did. We were fooled by the safe rock. He was completely correct. We went down the slope. We got completely lost. We realized we weren't in the right spot. So we, um, you know, thank God you guys found us. Worse still, they said there had been a flash flood, because remember, it's rainy, uh-huh. and that had knocked them over, and had when it knocked them down, it washed away a lot of the equipment they had brought with them up the mountain, so they're in, in poor oh. shape. I don't know if it's like, well, I, I guess, Scott, you probably need your canteen and food most yeah. of all, but they, they felt they had no choice but to await help and stay where they were, which they did, which and it worked. Which is smart, yeah. yeah. So safely in the helicopter, the men start to, to warm up a little bit and that they get to talk and they, they talk about how and they tell them, oh my God, we're so happy. We actually had kind of lost hope. We didn't really think, we were surprised that you guys found us or, or at the very least, we were really surprised that you found us as quickly as you did. We were, didn't expect to be found here the, the very next day. So they told us to, I, by this, there is a police officer, he's on the helicopter and they tell us to the cop on the helicopter and the police officer says, well, first of all, you really need to be thankful to is the innkeeper. Right. If he noticed that you were gone, that you had not come off the mountain, and pretty quickly at 6 o'clock, which is pretty early, yeah. he reported you missing. He called the police. It was very prompt. And the two men said, we're very grateful. Yeah. You know, when we get to the inn, we'll, we'll thank him. We'll buy him an Asahi in all likelihood. <laughs> but then the police officer said, and also, don't forget, it was you guys. It was your own ingenuity that saved you. And I mean, he's, you know, if you hadn't left that clue for us, we would never found you. And the guys, one of the two rescued city guys from the pharmaceutical says, what clue? What are you talking about? That's all right. And he says, well, that huge SOS sign on the meadow. We probably would never found you if we had not seen that. The two men look at each other and they, and the officer knows they look a little puzzled. And one of them turns to the officer and he says, what are you talking about? What? SOS sign. They know nothing about this SOS sign. So I was going to say, oh, so all their tool, all their equipment, the equipment got washed away except for the hatchet, hatchet? or axe or whatever? Well, 
the police officer is not thinking that. You know, he yeah. thinks first. He thinks these guys are delirious. They're freezing oh. cold. They're just, they just you know, don't remember. Yeah, they don't it. remember, or they're just a little bit delirious. I mean, seriously. Yeah. So he says, uh, you know, I'm going to help them out. I'm going to clear this up in a minute. They'd only taken off a, a minute ago. So he tells the helicopter pilot, it says, hey, can you swoop back to the SOS sign real quick? Mm-hmm. So the, the helicopter dips back up, goes up to, to the uh, marshy meadow where the sign is, and the helico- police officer points down and says, that sign, see that? That giant SOS sign made out of birch logs. That's how we found you. The two guys look at each other again and say, I don't have to tell you, we swear to God, that was not us. We had nothing to do with making that SOS sign. So there's your first humongous plot twist. Yeah. And presumably, is this meadow semi-well-traveled? Not at all. By other hikers? Not remotely. Okay, so it could have been there for a long time. Maybe we'll we'll talk about that. Yeah. But now this is a pretty off-the-beaten-track area for sure. Okay. So first of all, there's this shocking coincidence that two men found... Near an SOS sign had mm-hmm. nothing to do with the ma- manufacturer of the SOS sign. The officer, the pe- the searchers, and the helicopter are stunned by this news. But then the police officer realized kind of the other ramifications of this revelation. Maybe somebody else needs help. Exactly. So he tells the pilot and the other searchers in the helicopter, and they quickly realize, oh, my God, if these two dudes from Tokyo didn't make that sign, someone else made that sign. That someone else is still on the mountain somewhere waiting to be rescued. Maybe or it was done a while ago and there's either dead bodies or they found their way off and just, what are you going to do? Go back and remove your sign? Yeah. Those are all possibility. Yeah, that's true. No one had, uh, yeah. Because that's why I asked if it's, if somebody says, oh, last week I went by that meadow and there was nothing there, then... True. They could narrow it down a little bit. True. But, but if someone had built a sign, an SOS sign, and found their way down by other means, they would have told somebody that story about the SOS sign. So the searchers are thinking, maybe. okay, someone yeah. else got lost. You know, that wasn't... Remember, it was a, it was kind of remarkable. The innkeeper noticed that those two guys, he just happened to happened to be thinking about them. And yeah. He was worried about them. Somebody else who didn't talk to the innkeeper about what they were doing. Right. Yeah. Remember, those guys just happened to say, hey, we're going to up the mountain tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So they have to surmise that there's someone else up there who made that sign, maybe a little group of folks, and they had not been found yet. Right. But here's the thing. It's kind of the same situation as it was the day before. By the time this is, they realize this, it's almost dark, dark again. Yeah. Night was descending. The, the light had already started to fade. So they thought, there's nothing we can do tonight. The people who had built that sign would have to spend a second night on Asahidake. But how do you try to determine if, I mean, you can't really publicize, hey, does anybody know anybody yeah. who is up again, the mountain? And, 1989, you, know, you couldn't yeah. put it on the internet. There's no, uh-uh. you know. Yeah, so yeah, this is, this is tough. So they figured we got a first light. So dawn, the morning of July 25th, the rescue is on the ground, and again in the search helicopter, set out for a second day. They probably had a little hope, though, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, they searched all over that area. I mean, they searched all over the mountain, but particularly around that sign. Because right. remember, they, it took them a while to find those two guys. So if there's someone out there near that sign, they were not in a position to come out and say, help us. Mm-hmm. They had to be found the way it was probably kind of lucky they found those two guys in the cave. Why they didn't hear the, hear people in the balloon, yeah. I have no idea. Or the helicopter. Again, they were one or two kilometers away, so maybe they didn't hear the helicopter over the SOS sign, but it's interesting. You think all, I, I you know, it's been, it was 3.40 p.m. I am out of that cave yeah. and back yes. somewhere I could be seen at, you know, yeah. at dawn or shortly thereafter. So that's, that's unusual. I, I never did find out about that. I don't know. Yeah. 
I'm not sure why they hunkered down in that cave and stayed there. Especially that cave. <laughs> build a fire. I don't know. Probably can't. Yeah, well, they didn't have matches. Yeah, they didn't have anything. Uh-uh. Uh, so, yeah. So the searchers are looking all over again, the SOS, you know, retracing the steps, but also widening the search even beyond what they had done the day before when they found the two lost tigers from Tokyo. But call as they might, and I'm sure they did have bullhorns and that kind of thing, and search every crevice of anything, they find no sign of any person or persons that had built that sign. But then, pretty close back to the SOS sign, I've read 100 meters, I've read 300 meters, it's one of those, or somewhere thereabouts, a searcher peered into kind of like a hollowed out natural cavity in the trunk of a tree. So think of a, a tree, you know how sometimes they have this, in the bottom of it, is just like a kind of a hole carved mm-hmm. into one of the sides. You see that a lot. A searcher looked into that that cavity and he spotted a backpack. Oh. And next to the backpack, he saw a skull, <gasps> a human skull. So oh, no. he also noticed, or, or at least somebody must, they, he, he probably went back and, and spoke to his fellow searchers and people started talking. Well, you know what? We've been seeing human bones scattered here and there throughout this whole area nearby this tree, and which is, again, very close to the SOS sign. <laughs> and just not mentioning it? I, they're skeletal bones. They probably think they're animal bones. I, I'm, I'm assuming at first they must have thought they're animal yeah. bones. Now they find this human skull, and they go, oh, shit. So they start going and collecting all these bones, many of which, by the way, had bite marks on them, yeah. but probably by a scavenger like a fox. I was going to say, what kind of animals are up there? There's fox. There's, there's bears. Yeah. There's pika. There's Pika is like a big ground rodent that lives oh, in, okay. in the mountains. So there is, but foxes most likely would have scavenged these remains or, or something, like, something like that. Uh, so and they combine, so they collect as many bones as they can, and they combine them. They realize these bones form the, the vast bulk of a human skeleton. Ooh. It was clear to the researchers that obviously the skull and the bones belong together. This is a single person. And yeah, they had been gnawed on by animals, but they hadn't been defleshed in a day or two yeah. by scavengers. That didn't make any sense. This was a skeleton, not a body. Yeah. It had been there for a while. It could not be the remains of the person who made that SOS sign. Did they look inside, could it? Did they look inside the backpack? They did look inside the backpack. I'll get to that. Okay. The researchers went back to the broken tree and they searched the cavity for anything else besides the skull and backpack. And it, it, the first thing they noticed that it's barely large enough for a person to fit in. But the skull and the, and the backpack said that must have been someone squeezed in here yeah. and sought shelter from it. And, and by the way, it depends on the source again. Some people say the backpack was found in the hollow. Some people say it was found nearby. I, I think it's almost certainly found inside the hole with the skull. Mm-hmm. But they found either... In the hole or nearby, and again, I think all of these items I'm going to tell you about right now were found in the hollow. That just makes more sense. They found a tape recorder, four cassette tapes, some amulets, which I guess means necklaces, a tripod, men's basketball shoes, two cameras, and a few items inside the backpack, like personal items, like soap and a towel, toothbrush, and also a notebook, by the way. You know what else is in the, the backpack? A, a wallet. wallet. You know what's in the wallet? A driver's license. A driver's license. Aha, that's going to help, right? Yep. Turns out the person in the tree was a young man named Kenji Iramura. No one had reported anyone other than the two hikers is missing 
So, and, and he was a skeleton, so the police naturally think, okay, yeah. let's check back. So they check back the earlier for earlier missing persons reports, and they do find Kenji, but they found that he had been declared missing on July 10th, 1984. Wow. That was when Kenji had gone up for a hike on a Sally Docky. By the way, had also told the innkeeper, hey, tomorrow I'm going to go for a hike on a Sally Docky. Mm-hmm. And he had never returned. Kenji Iremura had been missing for five years, years. never wow. found. Kenji. Let's, let's learn a little bit about Kenji. He seems like a nice guy. He was <laughs> 25 years old. Again, he disappeared, climbing a Sally Docky, just like tons of tourists do every year. He was from the city of Conan, I don't know, K-O-N-A-N, <laughs> in Aichi Prefecture, Prefecture, on Hokkaido, so he was more of a local, and he worked there in a repair shop. He's a, he was an anime nerd, so I'm going to guess electronics repair shop. Just I have no How idea. How do you know he's an anime nerd? Because he is, trust me. Because a- anime people in Japan are not nerds, I'll bet you. You're right. So he's a cool, hip yeah. anime fan. Like the two men from Tokyo, I remember had totally innkeeper again. He was going on this hike the next day, and same thing happened. Uh, that happened to the two guys. That happened to Kenji. Kenji, the innkeeper, noticed they were missing and reported it to the police. In this case, though, the staff there at the end didn't realize Kenji was gone until it was past due for him to check out. And they went to his room and they found his belongings still in his room. Here's the thing. Uh, This is another sources to pen. Some sources say they realized it that night, but later, later that night, hey, and so they checked his room and... I, I can't imagine he was due to check out that night. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So it was either that night, pretty late, or the next morning where they went into his room, found all the stuff there, reported him missing to the police. Okay. So just like before, they had been the same kind of desperate search. They had ground and air searchers in the helicopter. No sign of Kenji was ever found. They also did not see any sign of a giant SOS sign, but more on that in a bit. First, are you ready for another plot twist? Yeah. Good. I have one for you. <laughs> the bones from the tree and the skull from the tree and the bones found very nearby were taken to a Asahikawa Medical University. And there they were analyzed by staff. And staff there determined that the bones that were pulled from the tree had belonged to someone who's about 160 centimeters tall, was only about five foot two. I'm not, I'm, I, I, and I can never find exactly how tall. Kanji was, but I, I, he was almost certainly taller than that. So that's a little bit of a puzzler. The person had typo blood. I don't know. I don't know how they tell that. Or, but the bones also showed injuries, by the way. It showed both a broken rib and a broken arm bone. Oh. So that's not good. And they showed one more thing. Wait oh, for it. Wait, not healed injuries? No. Not, oh. They, so, sources, again, some people say it could have been most, but the experts at the time thought these happened pre-mortem. Okay. The bones also showed that the person found in the tree near the SOS sign was... Female. A woman. Yeah. Yep. This was not Kenji, Kenji. Iwamura. This did not make any sense wow. at all. This was crazy. The body in the tree had Kenji's driver's license. The, his friend said, yep, those are his shoes. That's his camera. That's his backpack. That's his wallet. The cassette tapes had music from anime shows like Maycross and... Magical Princess Minky Momo, <laughs> one of my favorites. And his friend said, that was so Kenji. He loved yeah. those shows. He loved anime. He he would put music on tapes and listen to them. Yeah. So the body was not Kenji, Kenji's. This was a woman. And 
there was no woman, though, reported missing that could possibly fit the body. They said, no, no, didn't make any sense. Even when they checked back records, past records for years back, they Mm -hmm. didn't find anyone that's any woman declared missing that that would have fit this skeleton. Mm. And even if it it was this a woman who had gone missing and she had died in the tree, why was he in in possession of all these belongings that clearly belonged to Kenji Aramura? Mm -hmm. Kenji Aramura. <laughs> oh, it's not easy, Carrie. I'm you struggling. Could just say Kenji. I'm going to say Kenji then. Okay. Then someone from the police force again had a bright idea. On July 27th, so two days after they found the um, skeleton, an investigator decided to listen to the tapes in their entirety. Apparently, they just listened. Oh yeah, there's some. You know, there's a song from Princess M- Minky Momo, whatever. Yeah. Was. So um, somebody said, oh, you know what? Let's listen to all four cassette tapes and see what we find. And on one of them, they did indeed find something very chilling. Taped over the anime music was a man's voice speaking into a tape recorder. The voice is, is, is kind of like, is purposeful, but it's also very terrified. The recording of the voice lasts about two minutes and 17 seconds. Most of the recording was spoken in this, like, I'll, I'll play it in a second, these disconnected, kind of overemphasized manner. He's almost screaming as if he's desperate to be heard and understood. So let's play the first part of that right now. So that was... Someone, perhaps Kenji Aramura, desperately pleading for help on a tape recording that he's recording on the tape recorder that he has with him that I, we think was, was he took to play music yeah. while he was out hiking. I have, an, I have an idea maybe why he did that. Why? So that he could play that, but then it's not going to just be on a loop playing over and over again. No, it wouldn't. It's clearly a des- yeah. desperate plea for help, and I'll tell you yeah. what it says. So it says... S O S, please help me. Like again, I said that he was sort of disjointed. He's trying to super emphasize every single word. Yeah, I can see that for S O S, but he says it for actual words. Please help me. Again, it's in Japanese, yeah. so the syllables aren't going to match up with ours. But he, that's what he's saying. Did so he, he question? Did he say it over and over again? Uh, you know, I can't find the full two seventeen. Okay, anywhere. I, I, he says some other things. In other parts, because because there's references to them in some of the sources, but I can't find anything on YouTube or whatever that that plays the whole thing. You just always find that snippet, which is the, I think the beginning of it. So it says, "Here's what what, what you just heard." It says, "SOS, please help me. I can't move on the cliff. SOS, please help me. The place is where I first saw the helicopter. The Sasa is deep, and you can't go up. Please lift me up from here." What we just heard, I don't think it was all of that, but I've read several translations of that. By the way, there are some some there's one critical mistranslation of that that I'll I'll tell you in a, in a little bit. But so clear it's a plea for help and he's trying to, to guide people to where he is. We'll yeah. talk about in a bit why, but let's return to that Sasa and the reference I told you about a minute ago is this thick bamboo plant. The the weird thing is there was no Sasa anywhere near where the bones were found with Kenji's stuff. In that tree, was Kenji's body somewhere else, hidden 
in the Sasa plant, a, a growth of Sasa. And I, here's where I'll tell you a little more about this plant. So again, the thick growths, they do grow up kind of higher on the mountain. So higher above where he is. He's about, his location of the SOS is about four kilometers down from the mountaintop. There are some thick growths of Sasa higher above where um, this body was found in the tree. And they are downslope from the fake safe rock. That kind of jibes, that makes sense. So you think, did Iremur, did Kenji take this wrong course and try to climb down the Sasa? Yeah. And then did something then stop him from going further down? And so he, okay, I can't go any further. I'm going to head back up this growth of Sasa and go back to where I was and, and you know, try a different direction, right? Yeah. But then when he tried to climb back up, he, he could not climb yeah. back up. Now, that might sound weird. You think, how can you not climb back up? It's actually very well understood. It, again, this is this low-line bamboo plant. It grows down slope. So you can walk down it very easily. You're on top of it. Yeah. When you try to go back up, though, you just can't. You just can't get your footing. Yeah. You, 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 it's so strong and tough that you're not going to be able to kind of force your way through. It's almost impossible for even an experienced strong hiker really? to go up slope in a sasa grow, a growth of sasa plant. Oh, almost okay. impossible. In fact, going back uh, back to 1989, news crews, you know, remember the story of the rescue was a big story, right, locally? So a news crew had gone there, and after the skeleton was found, after Kenji's driver's license was found, and after his ref reference to Sasa was known, one news crew saw, just decided to walk down this Sasa, like, hey, maybe this is what Kenji did. Oh, a yeah. news crew, a reporter and like a camera person or something like that, got yeah. stuck, yeah. could not climb back up the Sasa. They had to get lift out by rescuers. <laughs> So it's it's a real thing. But and so maybe the woman in the tree found his backpack somewhere. Maybe. And that's how it ended uh, up there. Uh, and his other stuff, a lot of stuff. That oh, stuff I listened was not just in the backpack. It was loose. Yeah. So that's weird. That's a lot of stuff to be carrying. I don't think it was all in the backpack. It was out when it was found. So if she if it was all if it was she all in the backpack, she could have it, taken yeah. it out. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. But if the bones were a woman, why? is the recording clearly in a man's voice. And how does she get all of Ira Murr's stuff? If he's stuck in Sasa, she's not getting that. He would have, why, you wouldn't chuck the backpack with all the stuff in it out where uh, this woman hiker could find it. And if, if she got into the Sasa with him, how does she get out of the Sasa when he could not? So people started thinking, maybe he did. Maybe he, maybe he fell in with some solo female hiker and they both went down this Sasa and somehow she made it out, but he could not. If so, though, it doesn't make any sense because why would he give this recording right, to, her. to her or on all his stuff? Yeah. Unless she stole it. <laughs> I don't know. But again, no one had reported a woman missing. So it yeah. didn't make any sense that he had been hiking with a woman. His friend said, no, he for sure went by himself. So, but still, you could think, oh, maybe he met, some, met yeah. someone and said, hey, let's, um, let's hike together. Or maybe he met the person lost and said, let's try to seek safety together. And yeah. they went down this, this Sasa growth. So maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Those things are possible. And so, you know, see, she somehow was able to make it down. He wasn't, his body's still up there in the sauce somewhere. And yeah. hers was in that tree with his stuff. But are you ready for one more plot twist? Yeah. Because there might be more after this. It's possible the voice on the recording was not Kenji. I was going to say, did they play it for his friends? And They played it for his parents, yeah. apparently. And they reportedly said, we don't know if that's Kenji. We can't tell. Now, this was reported just in the American press, like the AP, not in the Japanese press, according to one source I read. Yeah. But they said they can't be sure that was him 
if that really was Kenji's voice, how could there be any doubt whatsoever from your parents? Now people start thinking, were there three people? Kenji, because <laughs> it's all of his stuff, right? Yeah. A woman, because that's who the bones belong to, and she was found. And then a second man with him, or a third person in the little party, who made the recording. Yeah. This was getting really, really weird, because mm-hmm. there was not also not a second man reported missing either. So three people, it seems like, none of them are being reported. Again, they, they went back to records. They knew now when Kenji went missing in July of 1984, there's no woman, there's no other man. Only yeah. Kenji in that period was not found. So it doesn't make any sense. And, and now who made the SOS sign? The pathologist who right. examined the bones said that he thought the person belonged to bones, which would be too weak. This is a, a small woman. There's no way. I mean, it's, it's tough work. I know yeah. their, their birch are thin, but it's tough. Even with a hatchet or just a small hatchet or an axe or something yeah. like that, it's hard work. They with, estimated that it, it would take a, a, a day or two oh, wow. to make the yeah. sign. And, and, and the stand of birches, tree, birch trees was about 100 meters away. So you got to go cut them down, 19 different logs, and you got to haul them back to the place and then yeah. stack them two and three up. Did they find a hatchet in the, his belongings? They have never found a hatchet anywhere yeah. on that mountain. So hmm, we'll talk about that in, in a little more depth too, for sure. But still, could could maybe whatever, say they they someone the second man who we haven't found, say he had the hatchet and say Kenji, Kenji and um the second guy, could they have done it? They could have. Yeah. They could have made that that SOS sign, but they think that the skeleton that was found could not have. Although, you know, who knows? I don't know how, how can you, from a skeleton? Yeah. No, no, not strong enough. But you've hit on the head of the other massive mystery to this thing. Where's the axe? Yeah. No one, no one's ever found the axe. They had to have some kind of cutting tool. There's no way you could do this. They're clearly chopped with a sharp tool, an axe or hatchet. Yeah. Nothing has ever been found. Um, It's, you know. It's it's a, a huge mystery. Is where is that? How, why would you not? You have your tape recorder, your shoes, yeah. your tripod, your cameras, but you don't have the axe that's as you hope just saved your life. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. So also, some people thought, not you know, how did he know to do that? And how did he know to clean the vegetation off the birch trees to make them more visible? And and they thought the cutting was very, you know, just just the the physical ability to cut it. It read to them like this was an experienced woodsman who had done this, and Kenji was for sure not that. Right. Huge. So huge. So let's just kind of go through real quick before I, I I'll tell you the story of what I think happened. Okay. The question. So we have these these tons of mysteries uh, and tons of questions. Why was there a man's voice on the tape? Why was this, this Kenji's belongings found with a woman's body? Why was no woman or, or, or second man reported missing? Uh, and, and, and where were they? Where were their, their bodies? Again, they'd searched that. I mean, it's a big space, but still, they had very closely now searched that area. If that was Kenji on the recording, why did he make the tape recording like you surmised? Some people think it started automatically and he was just calling for help more generally. Uh, some people think that he made it in case he lost his voice. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Or got just too weak and tired. Some people also think that he made it because he thought turning it up full blast would be, would be louder, louder than his voice. Yeah. Still, it's still a mystery. Before we give you kind of an idea of what I think probably happened, let's talk about that SOS sign for one more second. Because one of the big mysteries is who built that sign. Did Kenji build it or not? Yeah. And so the question is, if the person who made that sign was healthy enough to make it the sign, the arduous work of making that huge sign... 
they were healthy and strong enough and had the energy to continue to walk down the mountain. Right. So it's weird. I, I mean, that's that's a huge mystery here as well. It doesn't make any sense. There was, by the way, a stream nearby. Remember, this was now a marshy area. It was it was well off the top. And so there was some streams nearby. And everybody knows you can follow a stream and eventually you're going to get something. Right. So they would have known that. And and indeed, you, it's about eight, eight or nine miles down from where they were. If you follow the stream, you would have found a little village. Yeah. The next thing I'll, I'll mention is, the, is when the SOS sign was made. That's another question in this case. So authorities checked satellite imagery. Oh. And they checked September 20th, 1987. They did it in about every five years. The local park authority would go and take some pictures and some oh, satellite okay. pictures. And I think, I, you know, I think it was just pictures from the, from planes. I don't think it was satellite. Now I take that back. I think it was just the, the local, the park, the national park would, would take pictures of the area every five years, like a survey. Okay. And in September 20th, 1987, they had done a, a picture run. Mm-hmm. There it is. They saw the SOS sign in September of 1987, two years before those two Tokyo men were found. Okay. Coincidentally, near the sign. They checked the five years previous to that, the late summer 1982, no SOS sign. Okay. The SOS sign had been made between 1982 and 1987, which fit in with, with Kenji. Kenji in 1984. Yeah. But they hadn't seen it when they went searching for Kenji. Uh, yeah, for Kenji back in 1984, and they had never found the axe that he would have needed to make that sign. So it's still a lot of confusion. Do, do they know for sure that that area was searched for Kenji? Uh, they they saw it, almost certainly it would have been. I mean, if they if they saw it from the helicopter in 1989, they probably would have seen it from a helicopter in 1984. You're right; it's possible they didn't. It's a big mountain, so it's yeah. possible they didn't. But it was it would have been even more visible with five years less of, of growth of moss yeah. or moss or whatever it was yeah. and back in nineteen eighty four. So it is an, is odd that they hadn't seen it in nineteen eighty four if it was there. So you probably want some answers now, don't you? Yeah. We're gonna work out a scenario here that answers most of our questions, and I say most advisedly because there's there's no there's still gonna be questions left. So first of all, was that Kenji's voice on the recording? Again, the parents allegedly said they weren't sure. I'm going to call bullshit on that. It was for sure. Kenji. Based on what? Based on the the, the one source says that, and it's a pretty good source, I think. It it says that the American media reported the Japanese did not say anything of the sort. I'm thinking that was a a miscommunication from American media uh, who were probably not even on the ground, probably relied on a local stringer. uh, And that was just sort of a fake mystification or okay. or maybe who knows they're maybe just being oh yeah we, we think so and that was sort of exaggerated yeah it, it was for sure kenji okay. there's no way it's a male he's the only person declared missing all his stuff are there yeah. it's his cassette and his tape it's kenji but was that kenji abramura found in the tree with all of kenji's stuff can't be it was a woman the size also seems wrong and the gender makes it completely impossible but weirdly, everything else pointed to that being Kenji because it had lots of all of Kenji's stuff. Turns out this question is the easiest to answer. That's because a few months after the body was found, and they still had all these unanswered questions. I mean, this is 1989, right? Yeah. So and they, the, the uh, university hospital was asked to identify it. They identified it as a woman. They said, uh, can you check again? We just made really, really sure. So they did. On February 28th, 1990, so several months after the skeleton was found, the university released their revised report. They said, oh, our bad, it's a dude. The skeleton is a guy, 
and he has type A blood, not type O. I don't know. I'm assuming. Well, they do. Just give the wrong report or something? Apparently, that kind of misidentification, even today, can happen. It's surprisingly imprecise. I've always heard like it's the pelvis or something like that. Yeah. But if I think if you haven't given birth, I don't know. It's not super obvious or something like that. Anyway, it's not unheard of even modern times for there to be these kinds of skeletal misidentifications so that's what happened it was kenji all the time okay we knew it was kenji so that was kenji up there we know he died up there we know he had his stuff so here's the likely scenario in my mind of how kenji came to be in that tree so he goes to the top of the mountain like he says right like everybody else he starts down toward safe rock and you hang a ride at safe rock and you follow the trail from that point on. Again, it's not, not super well marked, but you follow the slope down, and then eventually you, you hit a, an actual marked trail. Like those two Tokyo office workers, though, five, that would happen five years later, he just veers a little bit off the course. I've seen a, a diagram of it. If you just kind of shift to your left, you, start, you, you go off course, and you're not going to hit the safe rock. You will hit the fake Safe rock. That has to be exactly so what happened. So the fake rock was had been there for it, more than it, five years. People said it had been there for several years. Okay. I read so that was only five years before this. So, so the fake safe rock was there. But it's probably a, even a more new new thing in Kenji's time. So, so he knew nothing about it. So they had plenty of time. They really did to do something about yeah. that second safe. Rock. Although remember, they never found Kenji and had no idea that that that's what happened to him. But it's almost certainly no, what happened to him. But that one guy, that one police guy or whoever knew about it. He did. So. But maybe it wasn't. I think it probably just happened around the time Kenji. Remember, several years. I don't know exactly what that means, but five years. So it may yeah. have happened that year. Yeah. Or the year before. And so it wasn't generally known. Yeah. By 1999, it was more known. So the local cop was able to say, hey, I, I have an idea here. No one could say that back in 1984 because they didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. So Kenji gets to the fake safe rock. He makes that wrong turn. He's lost almost immediately. He's in pretty rugged, kind of a wilderness area, trying to just work his way down slope down the mountain like he thinks he's he's supposed to. And, and eventually he'll he'll find a trail. There's no trail down there. So that little bit of misdirection cost him his life. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, it pretty minor too. Again, they must. I, I've read something that they have a ropes or something like that to keep you guided correctly. Now I, they should also put a big sign yeah. on that fake rock. So Kenji came to the false walk rock, and instead of heading west, he headed north into this wilderness. He quickly becomes lost, and he knows he's lost. He doesn't backtrack. I think because. He doesn't know where he went wrong. He doesn't know anything about the the other rock. He thinks right. that was the right rock. I did what I was supposed to do. What do I do now? Yeah. I don't have any idea where there's a trail for me to, to hook up with. I don't know where I am. He's. I, I've read that he had like a map with him. But if you don't know, that's, that map's useless if you don't know where you exactly. are. Exactly. If you don't have a you are here sign, it's not going to help you very much. The other dumb thing, hiking alone in a place you're not familiar with. Well, again, it's not considered a super unsafe he probably it would have been nice matter. to have help well it happened to the two guys from tokyo they would have died too had they not had had someone not built that SOS sign five yeah. years before they probably would be dead so it's it is what it is that's which is the worst thing ever invented yeah. as a phrase because it makes no sense but anyway yeah. so he just knows that something's wrong i've gone wrong i don't know what it is i don't want to go up the mountain I mean, the one thing i know is i got to get down the mountain i'm going to keep going down so he keeps going down he finally comes to a slope covered by this thick, low-lying scrub, this sasa plant. He's not familiar with sasa plant. Most people wouldn't be, I don't think. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know. It's kind of a one-way street. So he heads down the sasa slope 
thinking this will be, and it, it's pretty easy. You can walk on top of it very easily. And then he comes to some kind of a hurdle. I don't know what it was. It could have been a drop, a ridge. Maybe it was a, the, the, the slope got much, much steeper and he thinks it's dangerous. I've got to stop. I'm going to go back up. I'm going to backtrack and, and start another route. We know he can't do that. It's impossible. He struggles. He wastes a lot of energy. He exhausts himself trying to climb up that sauce. And he finally realizes, I can't do it. I'm stuck. Now, he mentions a helicopter in the message, right? So when he realizes he's stuck and he's in the sasa, it must have been some time after he got lost. It must have been the next day for sure, yeah. at least the next day. I don't know how long. I've read that the helicopter wasn't allowed because it's expensive to, to search for a very long time, but it had to be at least a day or two. Yeah. So still, it's at least a day, maybe two days when he gets stuck in, in this sasa. Let's assume it was the next day. He hears the helicopter because he mentions it on the tape and it didn't see him in that sasa. So he, you know, spends a, a terrible night in the sasa. And the next day he's he's desperate, he's weak, he's hungry, he's stuck. He makes that recording. He decides he's gonna make that tape recording. And I think the most likely reason, this is my my thoughts on this, is that he is going to play this, I think, if his voice gives out. Yeah. His voice probably already felt hoarse. I don't think it was because some people think it's because he was screaming because the helicopter was above and the, it had like one of those automatic turn on at voice activation thingy. Oh, but that's for yeah. sure not true. You, you yeah. heard the audio. There's no helicopter in the background. You'd hear the helicopter. Yes. So that's not true. Yeah. Other people think like but I mentioned ago that, oh, he, he could put it on blast and it'd be right. louder. Yeah. This is just your normal cheap. 1980s tape recorder yeah. is not that loud. I, yeah. I think almost certainly he thought, if I can play this, because he's saying, I'm in the salsa, come lift me out, that he was playing it for someone, if he heard like ground searchers nearby yeah. and his voice wasn't able, he'd be able, or he's just too weak to speak, he'd be able to. It's kind of poignant though, because of the reference to the helicopter. He says, the places where I first saw the helicopter that means a helicopter had already swooped down close enough for him to see, and they hadn't seen yeah. him hidden in that saucer. That's very sad. There's a translation, by the way, out there that says, he said, that's where, it's where I am where I first met the helicopter. That doesn't make any sense. That's clearly wrong. I, I, multiple translations says where I first saw the helicopter, yeah, right? Yeah, that makes more sense. Think about it, though. Regardless, that's not going to help anybody no, find you. No, nobody knows. How, they, would, they would have no idea what yeah. that meant if they heard that. But he does say, I'm in the saucer. So... If there was upslope, let's say he heard searchers, he could play that really loud. And if they heard it, they would look down, hopefully, and see and see Sasa and go, okay, so we can't see him. Right. But we know he's somewhere down there in that Sasa. Let's go find him. I have him. a question. Yes. So is your theory that he died in the Sasa? We'll see. Okay. You're trying to go ahead, Gary. You're trying somehow to jump his body's got to get to that. Somehow his body has okay. to get down from the Sasa. You're right. So at some point. Wait, I have a question. Yes. Is the tree located. Above the salsa below. or below the salsa? Okay. Well below the salsa. Okay. Mm -hmm. okay, that makes sense. The salsa grows. We don't know exactly what salsa growth patch he was in. Yeah. But it, it grows generally above where he was found. He was found four okay. miles, four kilometers down from the top in the in a marsh area. He was down a significant amount of the mountain already okay. when he was when he went into the tree. Okay. At some point he realizes the helicopter hasn't been back for a while, right? He must have okay, it hasn't been back. I haven't heard any other searchers. Mm -hmm. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm waiting for help like he's supposed to. But if help's not going to come, what am I supposed to do? So he figures, hurdle or not, that stopped him in the first place. On the way down, he's got to risk that. 
So this, I think, is when he injured himself. Mm-hmm. He, w- what it was, again, w- did he jump down a cliff? Was it climbing over a ridge? Again, or was it a, st- a the st- uh, slope got super steep? Yeah. Whatever it was, he takes a fall. He takes a bad fall. He breaks a rib. He breaks an arm bone. He probably was bruised and cut and, scr- and scratched too. We don't know because the skeleton didn't have any flesh on it, but he was probably pretty badly hurt. But he, ha- he had no choice. He has to risk it. And desperate people can do desperate things. So he gets himself up. He's hurt. But he struggles down the mountain yeah. a, a significant distance where he reaches this kind of marsho, marshy meadow area. And I don't know, was he too exhausted now to go any further? Uh, did, he, did he see the birch trees, these skinny little trees, and he's yeah. got a hatchet with him. So the little hand hatchet, let's say, in his backpack at the, at the time. That's not, I know it's not found there, but let's say it is. Yeah. And he says, I've got an idea. So he fashions those birch logs into a sign and he has to cut them, clean them and drag them a hundred meters. He's injured, exhausted, hungry, dehydrated. Although there was a stream there. So maybe he was able to to drink some water. But if so, what happened to that ax? Why? seems like it might be pretty hard to do all that with a broken rib. And a broken arm. Yeah. Think about that. Doing it one arm. I know. I know it. Maybe, I don't know. The the ax could be explained like maybe he left it somewhere. Maybe, maybe he left it somewhere and forgot it even. And years later, or is it they never been found? Or years later, some yeah, other hikers, just two years later, just say, hey, someone left an axe. I'll yeah. take that. Cool. I know I broke a bone and I fainted just after taking a shower. You broke a bone <laughs> uh, uh, skiing on white powder, the softest white powder. That's not relevant. Afterwards, once you have the broken bone, just sitting on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I've only broken finger bones, so yeah. it's not the same. So I think your body kind of, but you know, we also he, know people with broken bones do miraculous things, and, and to especially save when themselves. When so. your life's on the line, yeah, yeah, you can do things. My life wasn't on the line. You know, there's another th- thing I thought of too. What if he um, stumbled onto like some group of hikers had built, had cut down a bunch of logs because they were going to do some overnights there, yeah, and just left a pile of birch logs, and they were already and they already <laughs> cut already, ready to go. <laughs> Not, not li- I'm not saying that's likely. No. It for sure it doesn't happen, but it, you know, never know. So he somehow is able to fashion this SOS sign, and he just waits near it. He's hoping, he's praying, he's huddling to stay warm. He is in an area, as I mentioned, though, where no one goes. There's yeah. no trails nearby. He's four kilometers down from the top of the mountain. You know, you, people are always at the top of the mountain, but he's a long way from that now. It's this marshy area. So as I mentioned, he probably has access to water, but he's getting hungrier and hungrier by the hour. Yeah. His body is probably starting to shut down. He knows the night is going to be bitterly, bitterly cold again. He's got to go find shelter. He can't stay out by the SOS sign for forever. He can't right. stay that through the night. So Kenji searches the area and he finds this little group of larger trees. I don't know exactly what tree it was, but it wasn't it clearly wasn't a birch. It was a bigger tree that has this sort of natural hollow in the trunk. And he figures that's better than nothing. Setsuzan National Park is home, by the way, to Japanese brown bears who who can be occasionally very aggressive to humans. They have killed and eaten humans in the past. Sadly, though, you know, it's it's no longer home to the Izo wolf, also called the Hokkaido wolf, which was exterminated purposely by humans with strychnine in the late 19th century because at the behest, by the way, of a an American who was brought over to help them learn ranching techniques. Thank you, America. You wiped <laughs> out what this we do. phenomenal animal. 
he figures also the hollow is probably defensible. Yeah. But mainly it's a place to warm. He can huddle right. back there. It's got yeah. some some shelter from the, the wind and if there's going to be rain. So he it's an, a, a little bit warmer. So he goes in. He squeezes himself in there. He pulls in. The, I'm going to say the backpack was almost certainly in front of him. And he hunkers down for the to spend another cold night out in the wilderness. And Kenji was just never able to struggle from out of that tree again. Yeah. He's found five years later. His SOS sign, which was missed when he went missing. Mm-hmm. Incredible coincidence. Saved the lives of two people yeah. that he never knew. R, last mystery, and I'll let you go. Was it Kenji who built that sign. To me, this is still the greatest mystery. The yeah. axe is the greatest mystery, but it, it dovetails with this, whether it was him at all. We know the sign was made between 1982 and 1987. But again, Kenji has no axe. No axe has ever been found. In in my mind, it doesn't seem like he would have an axe. He wasn't a mountain man. Right. I, I mean, you you have a free, you have a tripod and you have cameras. It's a it's a relatively safe day hike are you really going to bring even a hand axe with you yeah in your, you could have but i don't know it seems well, odd next time i go for a hike i'm taking an axe. now for sure now yeah. just in case you have to make an SOS sign mm-hmm. he was almost certainly injured by this point almost certainly because he yeah I, I, again i'm speculating but he i think is vastly most likely that he got injured getting out of that salsa something stopped him from going further down that's something he thought was too dangerous to do again let's say it was right. a cliff he had to do it to get down. He, his body wasn't found in the sasa. He did yeah. get down. We know he got out. He only can get out by going down, not up. Right. That's when he was injured. I'm so he's now trying. He's supposed, like you said, he's supposed to be building a, a, a chopping down 19 yeah. logs from. I know they're narrow, but they're very hard wood. Yeah. And, and with a broken, but with broken bones, including a broken arm bone, yeah. with a mystery hatchet, he probably doesn't have. And and he's but he does have the strength to do this. He would have had the strength to continue down the mountain. If you're just thinking at all straight, are you going to sit there yeah. and wait and and do a arduous task to build this SOS and then wait there, or are you going to try to continue down the mountain when you do have a stream nearby? Yeah. So I don't know. It seems weird. Some people said, "Well, but wait, he's an anime fan, right?" Turns out, in an edition of the manga and later anime series Astro Boy, there is uh, a scene where Astro Boy, or maybe not going to be Astro Boy because Astro Boy is an android, but someone uses trees and cuts them down and makes a giant SOS sign to be found. So people say, okay, he's a huge anime fan. He would have seen it in that. But the question is not that Kenji would know right. to make a giant SOS sign. It's if he actually did. And I I, I don't think so. Um also, would the helicopter have that search for Kenji 1984 have missed it? Possibly, but that's another point against this being made yeah. by Kenji. So, even if they did miss it, the sign, if the rescues at the time missed the SOS sign, um, it, it, there's so much against it. I, I think the most likely reason they missed the SOS sign 1984 is because it wasn't there right. yet. And we. Only know is there by the summer of 1987, three years later. So could a group of hikers or a hiker have done it in 1985 or 1986? It's just that they weren't reported missing. Right. If so, that hiker or hikers was never found. So the final mystery is if it wasn't Kenji who made the SOS sign, who was it and what happened to them? Yeah. 
so far we don't know. There may be another skeleton or skeletons with an axe in their hand. Yeah. Some are up there unfound. And it's too much work for some anime fan to do it because they saw it in an anime. I, you know, I, I've thought about that, that is someone do this as a, as a hoax? If so, it, it would have been before he was found, before the two Tokyo hikers were found. It has right. nothing, right? Yeah. And that just seems weird. Yeah. Or just, they don't even have to be anime fans. I mean, it could be because that's what they, they read it, it in Astro yeah. Boy or something like that. But are just, just messing around. It's a lot of work yeah. if you're just sort of messing around mm-hmm. and you don't tell anybody about it and no one sees it. Right. No, only reason the helicopters are buzzing around there is because of they were looking for a missing hiker in 1989. Yeah. Uh, and again in 1984. So I don't, I, that's a possibility. I don't think so. Yeah. It is weird though because you come to that conundrum and that conundrum, by the way, that mystery is generalizable to anybody is if you have the energy to build that kind of a giant sign, sign from logs you are chopping down, you have the energy to keep right. going. Why, why stay there? Why do you think that's your better option is to stay there with a giant sign? Yeah. If, if you're stuck there and there's no way down, I get it. But there was a way down. You yeah. could have followed. Now, they could have thought, okay, who knows where that stream bed goes? And we'll just be wondering and wondering and wondering. And, and yeah. if we're too far from the mountain, they'll never look for us. So it's possible. Yeah. But I, I don't think it was Kenji. I think it was someone a year or two later. Yeah. And, and they've never been found. Hmm. Interesting. It is. That is the story of the Japanese SOS sign. Interesting. I thought so, too. <laughs> I did. I hope you enjoyed it, listeners. If you did, tell us. We'll put, if we can find a clip of the long recording, we'll put it on. But we'll put on some good, there's some pictures of the SOS sign. There's a picture of Kenji. There's some picture of of the backpack and all the different belongings, a little worse for wear. So we'll put some pictures of that on. I have not been able to find the two full two minutes and 17 seconds. Okay. That's okay. A short snippet of it. Japanese anyway. Still, if I can, I will. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Dean. Thank you. Thanks, listeners, for listening. See you.